Solidarność After August On the 1st of September, carrying a bunch of gladioli and a wooden crucifix, Lech Foenza attempted to open the office of the new union. He was locked out. Eventually a caretaker was found who opened the door to a small empty room. Foenza declared, I am in an, in an empty room but one full of hope. In Warsaw, small groups of core activists were released, including Kurom. Down south in the Silesian coal fields, eight men were killed by a runaway coal wagon. There was an explosion of anger, and by, twin, by the 2nd of September, 200,000 miners were on strike. An MKS headquarters was established at the Manifest Lipkovi mine in Jastrzebie, near the Czech border. The coal and lignite the miners dug provided 85% of the country's fuel and 15% of its export earnings. They had a powerful position. The Silesian workers refused to deal with the Minister of Mines and quickly signed a deal with the Deputy Premier Alexander Kopech. The agreement began with a declaration that the miners... Quote, fully support the 21 demands advanced by the striking crews of the coast and, in particular, the point concerning trade unions, end quote. They also had their own concerns. They put an end to the hated four-brigade shift system, which was designed to keep the pits working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but meant that the miners worked most Sundays. They also won new health and safety rules. Gierek allegedly suffered a heart attack and was quickly removed as CZPR first secretary and replaced by Stanislav Tanya. The government declared that the 10% pay rise awarded to 12 million state sector workers would cost 19 billion zlotys. The Polish Politburo Bureau meeting of the 4th to 5th of October received a report which said in the period July-September 1980s Strikes had taken place at 2,000 enterprises involving 1.2 million workers. As Kanya attempted to stabilise his rule, the new movement began to organise. On Wednesday 17th of September, representatives from 35 inter-factory committees and 150 large individual factories met in the Hotel Morski in Gdansk for the first independent self-governing trade union in brackets NSZZ national delegates meeting. In two weeks, three million workers from 3,500 factories had joined the new organisation, or one quarter of the non-agricultural workforce. The meeting decided to form a confederation of regional bodies coordinated by a national commission, KKP, based in Gdansk and led by Fawenza. The regional bodies, Interfactory Committees, MKS, were themselves based on Factory Committees, KZ. The KKP was directed by delegates from the MKSs. The New Workers' Movement debated its structure. Quote, Whether solidarity should consist of a strong national central authority or a series of cooperating unions with a weak national body limited to advising virtually independent regional centres, end quote. 
the better organised areas preferred strong regional bodies and a weak central structure, believing the leaders would remain closer to the rank and file and there was less chance of a bureaucratised centre emerging. Open quote. Apparently, Fuenza wanted a weak central structure. Opposition, however, was heavy from representatives of small provincial industrial centres where party officials and factory managers usually ruled dictatorially together. This group favoured a strong central organisation that could come to their assistance. End quote. Nicholas Andrews, Poland, 1980-81 Reports of intimidation in weaker areas were made. The old state-run unions were making propaganda, saying workers would lose health and social security benefits if workers left the old unions. Solidarność organisers were being harassed, detained, denied premises and threatened. So, at a meeting in Gdansk in, on 17th of September, representatives from the new unions <coughs> decided that all unions affiliated, affiliated to Solidarność would adopt the same statutes and register as one union. As the old unions pulled out of the Stalinist Central Council of Trade Unions and began to register, they also claimed to be, quote, independent, self-governing trade unions, end quote, or NSZZ. The Real Workers' Movement appended the word Solidarność, solidarity, to distinguish themselves, and this was the name they became known by. The party feared the collapse of the old state-run unions and formed a new organisation, the Coordinating Committee of Labour Unions, to try to save the remaining assets and structures of the state's labour fronts. Fawenza filed papers for Solidarność's registration on 28th of September and declared a one-hour warning strike for Friday the 3rd of October. The strike demanded that the authorities fulfil the obligations they had signed up to on pay rises and union recognition. At noon, with factory sirens sounding the start of the strike to the 11,000 workers at the Warsaw Steelworks, Solidarność Chair Severin Jaworski marched through the plant with the strike committee, fists raised, shouting, quote, No more lies, no more decisions about us without us, end quote. At thousands of selected enterprises, Solidarność put on a disciplined show of force. At the start of October, rumours began to circulate that Solidarność's registration would not be recognised by the Warsaw Court. Solidarność considered another strike. The chief judge attempted to explain a delay by saying the Solidarność's newly formulated statutes did not explicitly recognise the leading role of the party, as was done in the Gdańsk Agreement. The unions replied that the statutes were fine, as the unions had already recognised the, quote, socialist system by signing in Gdańsk. Solidarność's 34-member National Coordinating Commission, KKP, KKP, met the Prime Minister on 31st of October in Warsaw. Some issues were resolved. The government gave Solidarność permi- permission to publish a paper to receive printing equipment sent from abroad and impounded by customs and to get radio and television time. The date set for the Supreme Court to consider the Union's registration was 10th of November. 
As 10th of November approached, the tension rose, and Solidarność discussed selective strikes from 12th of November if registration failed. In fact, the Supreme Court allowed registration without amending the main text of the Union's statutes. Alongside the workers, other groups were organising. Student activists demanding their own free students' union had held their first meeting in Gdansk on 27th of August. Over 18th to the 19th of October, a national organisation was founded, the Independent Students' Association, NZS, at the University of Technology in Warsaw. The NZS saw itself as continuing the tradition of the Student Solidarity Committee formed after the murder of student core activist Stanislav Pijas in Krakow in 1977. The new organisation petitioned for legal recognition, which was denied by the courts in October 1980. Students began to organise strikes, sit-ins and occupations in support of their right to organise. Following mass actions, the government agreed to recognise the association in February 1981. The government also abolished compulsory Russian language courses and units in so-called Marxist-Leninism. The first national NZS delegate meeting took place at the University of Krakow on the 3rd to 6th of April 1981. 240 delegates from 66 colleges attended. Opposition groups elsewhere in the Eastern Bloc were following the events in Poland closely. Charter 77 in Czechoslovakia issued a statement in support of Solidarność. Vladimir Klebanov's beleaguered Association of Free Trade Unions for Workers' Defence, SMOT, in the USSR, released an appeal in the West proposing a committee of free trade union activists across Eastern Europe. Hungarian oppositionists attempted to travel to Poland to show their sympathy with the new unions but were stopped at Budapest airport. And 20 oppositions in the Baltic states issued a letter published in the West in support of the free trade unions and democratic reforms. Solidarność Politics, the party, intervention and the, quote, self-limiting revolution, end quote. Solidarność emerged as a hybrid, part union, part network of workers' councils and part political movement. The first Explicitly and entirely political strike began in late January 1981 in Bielsko-Biała, near to the Czechoslovakian border. The strike was against the ostentatious corruption of the leading party officials and appointees following the completion of a 150-page report into fraud, theft and bribery amongst local and regional officials, including the stealing of 34 million lotties which had been collected locally to build a recreational arena for people in the area. The strike's demands were for the removal of corrupt local officials. A one-hour warning strike began on 26th of January, and the main strike took place from 27th of January, directed by the local MKS, based on 54 large enterprises in the area. Factories were occupied and only essential services, some transport and hospitals, remained functioning. 200,000 200, workers took part. 
The local Solidarność officials had not sought agreement from Solidarność's national leaders and the strike movement was initially opposed by Lech Wałęsa, who tried to end it. However, faced with intransigent local activists, Wałęsa swung behind the strike, issuing a telex to Solidarność organisations across the country calling for a mass strike if violence was used against the Bielsko-Biała protesters. The movement ended on 5th to 6th February in a complete victory for the workers after the intervention of a delegation of bishops sent by the primate Stefan Wyszynski. The bishops had been asked to intervene by Fawenza using the moderate Catholic intellectual and Solidarność advisor Tadeusz Mazowiecki as a go-between. Party officials at regional and local level, as well as the local mayor of Bielsko-Biała and the chief of police, were sacked or resigned. The workers' militancy was rising. A regional general strike took place in the southwest town of Yelena Gora on 9th of February. The National Commission delegate from Poznan, Lech Dimarski, referred to the pressure on the KKP, quote, the authorities have no other purpose but to destroy the Union. The government has its back to the wall, but so do we. Our walls are the rank and file, end quote. The workers' demand for an uncensored and truthful press had become acute. Since this August strikes, official censorship had become much less thorough. Many Solidarność bulletins and papers had begun to spring up. The Gdansk Solidarity and Warsaw Independence were both uncensored. By early May, the Solidarność news agency, AS, listed 87 Solidarność journals and bulletins. 40 to 50,000 of Poland's print workers were Solidarność members, and they struck against the censorship imposed on the Szczecin Solidarność paper Jednosz. Timothy Garton Ash is the authority on this. Solidarność did not base itself on a political party, nor did it create one. That was the conscious decision of the leading militants like Fawenza, who explicitly rejected the idea of forming an alternative party, and in particular of the intellectuals like Curon, who opposed attempts to overthrow the state power in favour of a project of hollowing out that power, pushing the state back by creating a multitude of civil society institutions which would negotiate an accommodation with the state. Indeed, these opposition groups would be able to negotiate a compromise with the state because, the intellectuals believed, the state would come to see that it could rule more effectively with the cooperation of the free trade unions and other independent organisations. This wishful thinking would be brutally exposed later in December 1981. At the time, however, these views were disorientating and disarming. Curon's aim was for the party to withdraw, only controlling the basic functions of national defence and police, leaving space for managers to run enterprises on the basis of real autonomy, according to ability, not party affiliation, which would allow Solidarność to become a normal, Western-style trade union movement. Jacek Kuron first described Solidarność as a self-limiting movement, unable to engage in party politics or aspire to overthrow the Stalinist government 
because of the threat of Soviet invasion. That general idea was very widely accepted by the rank and file of Solidarność because it was based on a very real threat of Soviet force. What was debated, however, were the boundaries that could not be crossed. For the same reasons, the deep-rooted nationalist consciousness of the oppressed Polish people did not find an overt mass political voice for a struggle against the Soviet Union. The nationalist KPN, Konfederacja Polski Niepodległej, advocated the fight for a third Polish Republic, but got little support. Before August 1980, it had organised protests which had involved a few thousand people. In August 1980, Leszek Moczulski and four other KPN leaders were arrested with other oppositionists. When Kuron and the core leaders were released, Moczulski stayed in jail and became a martyr. Solidarność disagreed with Moczulski's views, but petitioned for his release. Moczulski's wife went on hunger strike, and students and young Poland organized and young Poland organized street demonstrations, not a method of protest favored by Solidarność, in support of Moczulski. Eventually, the KPM people were released after Solidarność strike action in March 1981. Nevertheless, clear anti-USSR agitation was not popular. Solidarność activists were scared of its implications. The conscious directing ideas which shaped Solidarność were those of the intellectuals from the secular and church opposition groups whose policy was to limit the movement's scope and to look for a compromise with the state. The Polish Stalinists' regime, aspiring to totalitarianism but never able to achieve it, had been forced to leave space for opposition. But the regime found the scale of the post-August opposition movement intolerable. The Stalinist state, which by its nature needed to exert direct control over every aspect of social organisation, was incapable of existing alongside a 10 million strong militant workers' movement. There was dual power in Poland, and the question was, who would prevail? The Russians had used violence and terror against the Hungarian workers in 1956 and in Czechoslovakia in 1968. In December 1979, tanks had gone into Afghanistan to prop up a client state, and the threat of intervention was very real. It seems that in November to December 1980, the Russian communists considered and rejected the idea of invading Poland. Kanya had warned the Russians, already bogged down in Afghanistan, they would face a national rising and promised to deal with Solidarność internally. The Soviets were also wary of US reaction which held them back. The possibility of invasion was used as a means of Russian pressure on the forces inside the country, including the ruling party.